Welcome to DC TV Classics, your home for the history of DC on TV. Your ears are not deceiving you. We are back. Brought along the OG, my original co-host of the show, Brittany Monet. What's up? Hey, guys. Oh, my gosh. It's been so long. I've missed doing this so much. It's kind of like, I, I think people have forgotten about our podcast. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised and I don't blame them because we've just been all so busy. Like uh, my work hours changed and I also have an audio drama and another podcast that's a weekly show. No longer, yeah. you know, stuff that is older and kind of take our time with watching. Um, and then Nick was directing a musical right. um, in the fall. I got to see it twice, luckily. Um <laughs> And then uh, Desiree's got Lion Forge. Oh yeah, she's so busy with Lion Forge and doing cool things. And then you do Nerds of Color and yeah, so much stuff. So it's like uh, we all just got busy. We did not forget about our little podcast here at DC TV Classics. We are back because it's kind of hard not to do an episode with this new DC movie coming out called Shazam. Mm-hmm. People may not be familiar, but Shazam is. And a very old superhero that wasn't actually originally a DC superhero, but we'll talk about it. we'll talk about the history of the character. But because the new Zachary Levi movie is about to come out, uh, spoiler alert: I've seen it. It's awesome. Um, I may even talk about it. You may want to divert your ears for a minute, but uh, oh, because no. that movie is coming out, I thought we would take a minute to just go over the original '70s TV show based on the character. Talk about the character. Talk about the history of Captain Marvel. Yes, that's right. Shazam was originally Captain Marvel before Marvel had a Captain Marvel. We'll talk about all of this on this episode of DC TV Classics. But before we do, I, I did want to give an update about the shows. Uh, since since Brittany, you mentioned we we are all pulled in three thousand different directions. Mm-hmm. This is not the end of DC TV Classics. We are still it's good. Me and this is our show. Me and you, Brittany. Yes. Uh, but because of the the scheduling. I'm creating this little kind of mini series, little this little sub series of DC TV classics uh, that's going to start airing in April and May. That's going to take us through, uh, so you guys get content. So you guys aren't be like, why is my feed not updating and constantly swiping your phones? Uh, so I'm teaming up with a guy named Adam Starcaster. He is a game developer, uh, an artist, a writer. Uh, and he and I have been watching. We, we've, we've decided to go and watch every single DC movie ever made, starting with 1941's Superman in the Mole Man. We're literally watching every single one. It's crazy. I don't know whose idea this was, but I, I'm already regretting it. <laughs> but as we're watching the episodes, uh, as we're watching the movies, we're, we're recording podcast episodes. So we're going to start filling the DC TV Classics feed with those episodes starting next month. Uh, occasionally, when we can find the time, we're going to have one-offs again, where we talk about our favorite TV shows uh, with you, Brittany. I think you and Nick have some ideas brewing about mm-hmm. episodes you want to talk about when we can find the time for all four of us to get together. Those are going to be special moments. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, we're going to keep the show going. It's going to be uh, DC TV Classics, colon, Keith and Adam watch a bunch of movies for mm-hmm. a while. Uh, when again, Like I said, when Brittany and I have time, we're going to come together and do shows like this, but the show is not going away. It's going to evolve a little bit. Uh, and then hopefully when our schedules line up again, we can go back to our original format. Because I miss talking to you and Nick and Desiree and everybody. I miss it too. Like, ah, oh yeah, it's been crazy. And then even me and Nick, we're just in terms of trying to hang out, has been hard to like work something out. Because either he's busy on the weekend or like when I'm busy, it's just always something. So it sucks just... Yeah, life gets in the way. 
<laughs> Adulting. Yeah, life gets in the way when you podcast. But we are here to talk about Shazam. Um, Shazam. Just say the word. Um, Shazam. You know what? Every time I've been like um, bringing up this movie to um, one of my coworkers, he's like, the Shaquille O'Neal movie? And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, I love that movie. We can talk about that movie too. But I'm just like, no, I mean, the one with Zachary Levi coming out. He's like, oh yeah, that movie. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. At least they're not like, you mean the uh, the iPhone app that tells me what song it is? <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, there, although there is a great uh, this, I was I was wondering what took them so long to do this promotion, but there's a great YouTube video of Zachary Levi trying to guess songs before the Shazam app guesses mm-hmm. the song. So I was like, at least the you know, there's a Jamie Foxx show I think even it's like yeah. a game show called Beat Shazam. Yeah, so it was like it took. I was like, why wouldn't they do a promotional thing like that? Because that makes a lot of sense. It does, and yeah, but that was just really funny that he was like, you mean the Shaquille O'Neal movie, like. If you guys do not know, do not know this movie, it's this little boy um, who he was in several things too around the time in like the nineties, and he ends up getting a genie, and his genie's name Shazam, and is played by Shaq. It's Kazam. Cause oh, it's Kazam. Yeah, the Shaq movie is Kazam. It's not okay, Shazam. So, so then that's completely wrong. <laughs> he is because I was just like, no, and I didn't even realize that he was saying the wrong name. Wow. Yeah, but I used to love that movie. Anyways, that movie is. I always like the scene when uh, I think he makes all the burgers come down or whatever. So I mean, you are you are a longtime Shaquille O'Neal movie fan. <laughs> uh, yes, I actually watched parts of Uncle Drew the other day. So <laughs> that's actually I, that's on my to watch list. Um, I haven't seen it all the way through, but I would say watch it. It's actually really funny. <laughs> so Shazam, as you know, on April fifth, yes. Shazam comes out on uh, theaters nationwide. Stars Zachary Levi as the titular Shazam Asher Angel from Disney channels. Andy Mac plays Billy Batson, which is if you're not familiar, we, we're talking about this character. And and to be honest, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who this character is, I don't know why you would be listening to this podcast. But for those of you who aren't familiar with the character, uh, it's a Fawcett comics character from the early forties uh, named Captain Marvel. Actually, he was the original Captain Marvel. It's about a little boy named Billy Batson who, when he says the word Shazam, gets turned into a superhero, an adult superhero named mm-hmm. Captain Marvel. And is actually a rival character to Superman back in the 40s. For actually a, like a five to six year period, he actually outsold Superman comics um, in the 40s. And DC sued Fawcett Comics because they thought Shazam was too similar to their character. And eventually <laughs> DC bought the character uh, away wow. from Fawcett Comics, and and he became part of the DC canon. So for a long time, Captain Marvel was actually a separate company from Superman, and they they had a rivalry in terms of uh, sales throughout the 40s, uh, which is interesting because they're not the same character. Like they're roughly the same in that you know they wear like bright colors and they fly uh-huh. around, but Shazam or Captain Marvel is magic, whereas Superman is like an alien, and there are That's a lot of things. part of his DNA. Yeah, I would say. Speaking of Captain Marvels, the closest Captain Marvel to Superman is the Marvel Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. Which, is, yeah. which is very funny because she's nothing like Shazam. She's more like an even um, male uh, Marvel. Yeah. Is more like um, a Superman type character. Yeah, they're more like Superman type. They're aliens, and alien DNA is where they get their powers from. And. 
they're ridiculously strong, all that stuff. So it's like, and they can make their eyes glow. Well, she makes her whole body glow, but you know what I mean? It's like, eh, it's kind of closer to Superman than Billy Madsen. <laughs> right, exactly. It's really fun. And, and I'm glad you brought up Marvel because once Fawcett ceased to exist and, and Captain Marvel became part of DC Comics in the 70s, um, it was also around the same time that, like, by the 70s, Marvel Comics was a thing. Because prior to yeah. all this, there was no such thing as Marvel Comics in the 30s and 40s. No, in the 40s, because they well, there was did... Ti- there was Timely Comics. Was, yeah, but it what they renamed themselves. They, so. It eventually became Marvel Comics. Right, but the, the, the character... Wasn't DC also named something else, too? Detective Comics. DC stands for Detective Comics, which is okay. interesting, because DC Comics is basically Detective Comics Comics. <laughs> oh my gosh i thought i thought it was dynamic i don't know why in the 70s when dc started publishing captain marvel comics by that time marvel comics had established itself as a, a this giant comics book company as well and so there was a copyright fight over the name captain marvel which which is kind of ironic since since the whole reason captain marvel stopped existing for Fawcett is because of dc launching a copyright fight against Fawcett. Mm-hmm. In the seventies, was the op- DC was now you know saying that you can't use the name Captain Marvel because Marvel Comics has their own Captain Marvel and their you know company's named Marvel. So he was still called Captain Marvel in the pages, but they couldn't use the name on the covers. So Shazam became the the kind of like trademark for mm-hmm. the stories. So Shazam would be on the cover, but he would still be called Captain Marvel. So it was actually a really confusing character for a lot of people. Like some people <laughs> refer to him as Shazam. The gatekeeping fan was like, well, if you were a real fan, you'd know his name was Captain Marvel. Yeah. It's, all, it's a whole lot of that. But uh, what's interesting is that in the 70s as well, Captain Marvel had his own TV show. And that's what we're going to talk about here on this episode. Um, yes. I will be straight up. I've never actually watched a complete episode or a complete season of the show. I have. I remember watching it as a kid uh, in reruns. Uh, I, it's been established. <laughs> I'm really old, but I'm not that old. Uh, but do you have any knowledge of this show at all? Did you no. know it existed before I told you, hey, let's do a podcast about it? <laughs> I did because um, what was it? I was watching, uh, I was flipping through channels one day. It was uh, right around when we first started this podcast, actually. And I saw that and I was like, what is this? And I was like, oh my God. And I actually ha- it happened to be right on the intro. So I've seen the intro like three or four <laughs> times. I've just never like seen an actual episode um, and I was like, oh my God, we have to do this for a podcast one day. And I just never brought it up. Like, <laughs> I don't think I ever did any time we were trying to get ideas for like what episodes to do. It was the one thing I never brought up, but I remember the first time I'd watched that. I was like, oh, maybe we should do this one day and I'll actually like watch it and still haven't watched it, but we're talking about it. <laughs> well, you know, now it's easy because at the time, it, I mean, it was, it used to come on Nick at night, I think, or TV land. Yeah, it was like on a random TV channel like right. that. Like it would, so it would come on like late at night on a, on a basic cable. But it was you know it was hard to follow the show. But ever since the DC Universe app launched, and and the DC Universe app is like a godsend for for podcasts like this, which is ironic since we don't do as many episodes as we used to. But but there's so many like classic shows on the on the app, and and starting in the, I think the end of last month. In, in the run-up to the movie, they released all three seasons, I think, of the Shazam TV show on the DC Universe nice. app. So if you have the DC Universe app, and I would uh, recommend everyone gets it, if not for shows like Titans and Young Justice and, and Doom Patrol, for 
all of the comics you can read on it. One of the best things about DC Universe is that they've updated their comics library. So you can Ooh, read a bunch of comics on oh, it as well. Man. But there's also access to these classic shows like Shazam, yeah. like Wonder Woman. Speaking of Wonder Woman, people think of Wonder Woman as like the definitive DC hero show from the 70s. But this actually predated Wonder Woman by two years. Uh, the Shazam TV show came out in 1974. I believe. And then Wonder Woman, I think her first episode didn't come out until 76. So this was actually the first DC superhero of the seventies, even predating Wonder Woman, who's synonymous with, with the, with the seventies. Yes. Shazam as a hero is actually really cool because it's like, it's like wish fulfillment. You know, the Mm -hmm. movie big, right? Yeah. That's what I, I kind of love that it already kind of alludes to that. And I really like that they leaned in, it really feels like they leaned into it with like Zachary Levi being Shazam or Captain Marvel. Right. Spoiler alert. He actually doesn't go by either name in the, in the movie. Once one of the running gags is that they, they don't have a name for him. Um, oh my God. <laughs> because, because, you know, it's, it's also funny that like the, the superhero movie that predates this one now is Captain Marvel from Marvel studios. Right. So like, you yeah. actually have both Captain Marvel characters in theaters at the same time. It's very funny is that even in the Captain Marvel movie, they don't straight up call her Captain Marvel. I, I don't think they, yeah, they don't mention it at all. They, they have to like, like there's a part where he says, oh, you're like, you're kind of like marvelous, like the Marvelettes. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, and then he sings the Mr. Postman song, which I love that moment. I thought that was really cute. And then um, later he's typing up, you know, the initiative thing. And then uh, he looks at a picture like when she's um like getting into her um her plane uh, and then you know he sees that it says captain you know carol danvers something like and then her code name or nickname and then but it's not marvel and then i think that's when he backs up whatever he was typing and then he's gonna put the captain marvel initiative that's what i think he was going to type but they don't show him typing that well, first of all, spoiler alert for Captain Marvel if you've not seen it Sorry. yet. Sorry. But uh but I think he I mean it's where he gets the idea for the Avengers initiative, right? Because that's her that's probably her code name. Yeah. Um well you know, well maybe we'll talk about that movie in a second, but there was this whole thing because Captain Marvel came out in early March and then you have Shazam coming out now. And you know how fans are. Fans fans yeah. are terrible. Fans can be terrible. And there was like trying to pit both movies against one another. And I think Zach Levi, to his credit, actually put out, I think, an Instagram video or something saying, like, don't do that. Um, <laughs> but and then he and Brie, I think, are actually friends. So it's like because fans are terrible, they're trying to pit the Marvel Captain Marvel up against mm-hmm. the DC one. And what what do you what is your opinion on that? Just even like the whole idea of like Marvel versus DC, because we you know we we do a dc podcast but we love marvel stuff as well like why can't you love both yeah i've uh yeah exactly why can't you like both there's nothing wrong with liking both i mean i understand in terms of recent films maybe you know besides honestly right now i so again i haven't seen aquaman so not including aquaman you know to me wonder woman is like their best thing so far Mm -hmm. that i've actually seen you know um i don't not, you know, they haven't done as well as they, you know, compared to, you know, Marvel lately. So I understand that there's this need to feel like, hey, I really care about these characters from the comics and they're actually really great and I wish people would appreciate them. And I understand that sentiment, but when the movies aren't translating that, you know, yeah, maybe there's going to be people who prefer Marvel. But the whole bashing and then being like, oh, well, your guys' movies suck. And like, mm-hmm. and then it's like, well, you know, maybe... 
the characters actually don't suck. It's just maybe the people who did the movies don't handle it right. Like it's a very like a weird thing where, you know, I feel like you should be able to like both. Like I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I really enjoyed Captain Marvel and they're two completely different stories. And I think, and also to be honest, I think a lot of the pitting of those two movies against one another is just because they're both starring women superheroes, right? And yeah, this and idea that one has to drag can, the other one down. Yeah, like this is all this idea there can only be one, uh, you know, female superhero in but any, any marginalized community, right? It's like you can yeah. only have ones. Yeah, there shouldn't be the you can only have one thing, and I hate that. Um, and for me, I think when it comes to just the actors involved with these, like um, in terms of uh, Shazam and Captain Marvel, like the two leads are actors that I deeply love. Like I love Zachary Levi so much. I Chuck is one of my favorite shows. Like mm-hmm. I just, oh my god, I would love to do a podcast about Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I don't have time right now. But I love, I love Zachary Levi. Um, I liked the the Chipmunk movie, the Alvin and Jimmy movie. Like, I love that movie. Well, he's, just I mean, Zachary Levi's got a, a heck of a resume because he's he's yes, he also does. got like a musical background because he's yes, uh, he's a Disney prince. You know, he's a Broadway star. Like, he's he's actually really really <laughs> he's really so talented. talented. Yeah, he's so talented. And so when I um when I heard that he was the person that they were casting for this role, I was like, oh my god, he's so perfect. He's like such. He is very much like um, a Peter Pan person, like, mm-hmm. you know, physically, yes, he's grown up, but mentally he's still like, not that he's immature, but he's very childlike and free and fun. And I think he was just a perfect casting. And then Brie Larson, she's someone who, like, I remember she, when she had her, when she was first doing music, kind of, that's mm-hmm. where I found out about Brie. I'm sorry. I don't know what the heck that is outside if you guys can hear that. <laughs> you, but, you, uh, have like, you have like MySpace uh, history with uh, Brie Larson, right? Yes, we were friends on MySpace. <laughs> and um, uh, she would like, I think there's like a time where like her agents or whatever would actually let her like, you know, go on and respond to people. So I would get comments back and forth with her, but she, you know, probably doesn't remember me because she talked to so many other people. So to me, it's like, hey, that's my MySpace friend up there doing things. Look at her. <laughs> Like, I feel proud, like, it, you know, and then me and her are only like a year apart or less than a year apart. So it's just like, you know, I, I love Brie Larson. She's someone, she feels like someone I grew up with. So for me, it's like, I love both of these people. Can you stop trying to like pit them against each other? Like you're hurting my soul here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that just the whole notion of like, you you can, there can only be one or if you're either a DC fan or a Marvel fan or a Zack Snyder fan or blah, blah, blah. Like you can have your issues. I have my issues, right? Like there are things I don't like about the Zack Snyder movies, but there are things that I actually do like about the Zack Snyder movies. There are things I don't like about Joss Whedon. There are things I do like about Joss Whedon. It's like, yeah, the, your identity should not be wrapped up in like the movies you watch. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's some people take it really far and the whole trying to, you know, before you've seen the movie, critiquing and reviewing the movie, those things are very. Oh, yeah. That's a that's whole, a whole other. That's a whole that's other a whole thing, right? Like people who are like, you know, like threatened by women or threatened by people of color being part of fan communities, out yeah. there actively sabotaging. So for those of you not know, like the Captain Marvel, the Marvel movie, there was a whole campaign by like trolls yeah. on the internet who were like purposely sabotaging her Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Just Yeah, so. and it's, these are also some of the people who I think did it with The Last Jedi, too. Like, right. I I know there was people who genuinely had, like, 
issues with The Last Jedi in terms of like pacing, story structure, and just, you know, they didn't understand why certain plot things need to happen, mm-hmm. which is fine. But then there was, you know, the people who were like being racist or sexist about exactly. why they didn't like The Last Jedi. And to me, those are the people that I have an issue with. Like yeah. I've said that before, but there was a lot of people who were leaving reviews you know, negative reviews about the movie because they were so angry because of how many women were on screen or how many people of color were on screen. And it's just like, why? I personally, I think The Last Jedi is so good and not just because I, the Adam Driver. Yeah, you're an Adam Driver stand. Not just because of that scene. I think just like (laughs) Empire Strikes Back, that movie changes what the previous movie set it up and what we fundamentally know and changes it in such a way that moves the rest of the course, like of the universe forward in such a, I think, I don't know. I think it's so good. I, I enjoy both of those movies. Those are the movies that turn things around. Yeah. I'm with changes. you. I'm a little worried though, with the leaked uh, episode nine poster that that's been floating around on the internet, but we want, that's for another podcast. Maybe we, we, you and I need to go back on hard knock life and talk about that. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> Cause I, I got some, I got some issues with the, uh, I'm free all day. Poster. <laughs> I'm free all day. I literally have nothing planned. We can do that. <laughs> well, let's get back to Shazam in, in yes. 1974. The first uh, season of Shazam debuted on CBS, which is it's crazy. CBS was like the place for superhero TV back in the 70s because they, they were <laughs> the network of Wonder Woman and Incredible Hulk. They aired the Star Wars um, holiday special back in 1978. Oh, my gosh. CBS was the place to be. And interestingly, Shazam was the first live action production by Filmation Studios. If you've ever heard of Filmation, it's because they are the creators of classic cartoons like He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Brave Star, which was one of my favorite cartoons in the 80s. They did the Fat Albert cartoon, Star Trek animated cartoons. Filmation is a classic cartoon studio and shazam was their first foray into live action and if you watch like the show you kind of get like it's got a lot of the same vibe of like 70s cartoons it's not the greatest show let's just put it that way there's a reason it only lasted 28 episodes over three seasons but the it happens the the biggest difference between like the shazam tv show and the shazam comics they do retain like the the overall general idea where it's a little boy named billy batson played in the show by a guy named michael gray who says shazam and he becomes an adult superhero on the show played by jackson bostwick and then later replaced by john davy or maybe it was the other way around but two people ended up playing uh, the the adult captain marvel on the show but the biggest difference is that the conceit of the show is that billy and this older guy that he calls mentor, which I don't quite get the relationship. I don't know if he's like, <laughs> I don't know why this old man is driving this little boy around in an RV. That's, you know, I was thinking that watching like the, the segment just before <laughs> you, you called in, I was like, um, why, why is this guy with him? Who is this? Is this his grandpa? I have so many questions. <laughs> There's a lot of questions. Uh, but so basically the, the conceit of the show is that they drive around looking for crimes to solve, basically. And then Billy says Shazam, he becomes Captain Marvel and they fix the problem. And then they go back in the RV, drive off to another adventure, which is kind of like, a, in a way, it's kind of like the Incredible Hulk uh, TV show back in the day where like Bruce Banner, I guess David Banner on the show would just travel around the country turn into the Hulk, solve a problem, and then move on because that's just how TV was back in the day. <laughs> uh, another big difference between like how Shazam was originally depicted to like the newer interpretations is that uh, when Billy turns into an adult, he he, do- he doesn't necessarily maintain his childish 
personality. That's I think a more recent development. I know that we talked about it when we when we did the uh, Superman Shazam episode with Rebecca Theodore. But like, yeah. the idea that Shazam is basically a little kid in an adult's body is a newer interpretation. Because I think when he used to turn into Shazam, or when he used to turn into Captain Marvel, he would be like an adult. So like Shazam is actually an acronym. The Wisdom of Solomon, The Strength of Hercules, The Endurance of Atlas, I think, The Power of Zeus, The Stamina of Achilles, and The Speed of Mercury. So it's like it's a bit of a jumbled mythological stew. You got like Greek mythology, Roman mythology, biblical mythology. But yeah, it's a lot. It's kind of like, but that, so all of those powers imbue Billy Batson to become the Captain Marvel character. Um, that's what Shazam actually means, interestingly. Yeah, that's very interesting that it's all this different, uh, <laughs> comes from all those different sources. And But I do, I prefer, I think I like the newer version where it's more of like, the idea of kind of big, the Tom Hanks movie. Right. It, to me, it makes more sense than him just becoming a completely different person where he's no longer childlike. Like, I don't know. To me, it makes more sense going this route. It's definitely like more cinematic too, because it, there's a lot more things you can play with. One of the worries mm-hmm. I had when they announced they were doing a Shazam movie was that, I mean, especially at the time we were just talking about, like DC had a very specific kind of tone to their films. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that they were going to try to do like a grim and dark Shazam, which I think would be would have been a mistake because, as you said, so the, the whole kind of like childish quality, the wish fulfillment aspect is what makes this character so so unique because it's such an easy elevator pitch, right? Like big meets Superman. Yeah. I mean, I would watch that. <laughs> exactly. Also, I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if the movie came out yet. It's called like Burn oh, Bright, Bright, Bright Burn or something. Like, it is. A, what I'm sorry. Evil. <laughs> yes, that is exactly what it is. And there's people like it's not the same thing. I'm like, it's the same exact thing. It is if if Clark Kent at the age of whatever, ten to twelve, turned into some evil little kid and right. was terrorizing people, and his powers are are pretty much fully exactly. realized. Right. Like, it's the same exact thing. It's uh, what's his name from The Office who uh, messed up with Pam. He is the dad. It's not Jim. It's the other guy. <laughs> you guys know who I'm talking. I feel like people know who I'm talking about who watch The Office. I can't. Think I, just, his name. I just remember Elizabeth Banks, isn't it? She's yeah, the she's the mom. And so the dude who was on The Office, it's I can't believe I'm forgetting his name right now. But he was also the dad in Power Rangers uh, to Jason. They like you show them they can't have kids. This uh, spaceship crashes on their farm. They hit. They hide it in the cellar of the barn. Whatever. It's the same exact thing. Like kid wears red. Yeah, I mean that's the vibe they're definitely going for. Is that it's oh yeah, like evil Superman, Superman. Is evil, right? Yeah, which I, I mean I feel like no one is no one's done like since at least no one since the Christopher Reeve Richard Donner movie and and I would argue since Smallville, <laughs> but that's not on in the on the big screen. But no one's done like a classic Superman movie yet. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone yeah. is trying to like how can we do a dark take on Superman? It's like embrace the hopefulness of Superman. Yeah. You know, like that's what makes him special. Yeah. And I think Henry Cavill could have done so well if they had made him a little bit more hopeful. Yeah, I agree. I I still hope he's not done. um, Same. Because there is, I don't want to spoil. I've, so I've seen, I've seen Shazam. Let me put it out there. I, I got a chance to see it. It's might be my favorite movie of the year. Oh wow! It's only it's only April, but you know, 
Yeah. Um, we're, we're a couple weeks out from Endgame, so that might change. But for now, <laughs> I uh-huh. really love Shazam. I loved, I loved that it had humor, and I loved that it had heart. I don't want to spoil anything, but there is a moment at the very end of the movie Ooh. where it's like, it might be my favorite DCEU Superman moment of the year. Oh, uh, shoot. I think I spoiled it. <laughs> but, I knew you were. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. No, you know what? I realized when you said you were going to see it the day you did. I also had got an email from Fandango about seeing it, mm. and I didn't I didn't realize it was the same thing, uh, and I kind of ignored it. And then I actually read the email. I was like, oh, man, this is gone. what Keith went to. <laughs> yeah, I regret it. I well, you know, you can gone. contribute to its opening box office. Um, I will. Because, because it, no, it really is. It, it It's firmly established within the dceu so it's the it lives in the same universe as justice league and aquaman and all of that but it does feel like its own movie and that's kind of what i love about where dc's going with their films is that they're not trying to create this like interconnected marvel cinematic universe type thing yeah they're letting the movies be whatever they need to be and i i appreciate that because then you don't have to be married to the same tone that one director has already established and with marvel for you know all the praise that Marvel gets, and I love all the Marvel movies, they do feel like a TV show more than movies. And uh. I mean, some, <laughs> I mean, ultimately, right? Like that's why you people like do these forty-five hour binges of Marvel movies, right? Like it's almost like watching a really long TV series. It's well, individual too, which one has a different tone and maybe because i'm just thinking of like uh well the first avenger is a world war ii movie like i love oh, world Cap- war II movies. i think yeah i think the captain america movies honestly have are the most distinct yeah because then the second one is like a, basically a political spy thriller right, right yeah i agree with that but so, I, but i do think there's, there's a visual kind of sameness that like you couldn't tell me who the directors of every movie are do you know what i'm saying like there's not necessarily like a singular director directorial vision, except for Black Panther. Like that's the only one that was like that's a Ryan Coogler movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they don't do a lot of that. It's more like it's the way TV is, where the director isn't necessarily the main voice of, a, exactly, of the show. Yeah. It's the writer. Like these are Kevin Feige movies, right? They aren't. Yeah, yeah. He produces every single one. Exactly. Of them. Like it's his. He's the showrunner, and then mm-hmm. and then it's like his. It's like he's like Greg Berlanti. You couldn't yeah. tell me who directed an individual episode of Black Lightning or Flash, right? But you know they're Greg Berlanti shows. Whereas this is like you know it's Kevin Feige, but you couldn't you couldn't necessarily name other than Ryan Coogler and the Russo brothers. Like who directed Homecoming? <laughs> like I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know who direct. I I, I want to say it's John Watts, but I could be so wrong. Maybe <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea who directed. But it. I I really enjoyed. I'm one of those people who actually really enjoyed Spider Man Homecoming. I know there's I like people it too. I just couldn't it. tell you who directed. Okay. It. I, I, okay. I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love. Look, I'm sorry. I loved. You should have brought up Homecoming because I love <laughs> Tom Holland as, as Peter Parker slash Spider Man, and that is my son. And <laughs> Thanos murdered him, and I want revenge. Thanos, like. I'm throwing down the gauntlet, Avenge, Josh Avenge Brolin. the Fallen, Brittany. Avenge the Fallen. Yes. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Get it? You've seen... Wow. I made a great joke, and you just ignored it. Oh, you threw it. down the, the throwing the Infinity Gauntlet. I heard you. I said I'm throwing the gauntlet, and you didn't laugh. I'm You're sorry. supposed to laugh. I'm sorry. Well, I'll, I'll give you a chance, though. Like, you've seen Captain Marvel. Yes. You haven't seen Shazam yet, because it's not out. Because you didn't go to the advanced screening like you should have. But you I did know, see, I didn't realize. You did see a girl on screen, Captain Marvel. And then this is ostensibly a Captain Marvel episode. So what did you think of the Captain Marvel movie? 
Um, I really liked it. I've been trying to see it again, but every time, like, I'm like, hey, let's go see it. Everyone else is like, I'm busy. I'm like, great. <laughs> and I mean, I could go by myself, but sometimes I just like going to movies with other people. Yeah, it's a yeah. little bit more fun. But I, I just, I loved it. And her powers were so, oh gosh. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I loved Fury. I loved him and, um, and Goose. They were adorable. Yeah. <laughs> the um, yeah. Uh, flurkin. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it wasn't a cat. Right. It's flurkin. It is a cat, but it's a flurkin. Um, which I really hope there's a moment from Kelly Sue's run where Carol meets up with the guardians and a rocket is just yelling at, at, at Carol, yeah, yeah. like, if you have a flurkin. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, my cat is a cat. Leave it alone. And they're just literally like butting heads about this. And he's like, your cat's a flurkin and I'm going to kill it. And you know, and how rocket sounds. And just, they're just going back and forth. And she's like, if you lay one hair on my cat, like, it, it's just, it's hilarious. And then it ends up turning out to be a flirting right, right. because she goes back to her um, spaceship and there's like all these like little kittens that have hatched out of like these 20 million eggs. And she's like, has all these kittens and, and it's hilarious. They kind so. of allude to that scene with uh, Talos in the movie with Ben Mendelsohn's Skrull character. Cause he's like, that's not a cat. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's really scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> so he was so good he's my he, favorite character in that movie i think he was a surprise yeah. like where they went with the character yeah. but we won't spoil I it hope, we won't no spoilers uh, yeah i just hope that is not the final version of how the scrolls are gonna be just because oh, really? from how i kind of did you know what though i kind of dig that like they they didn't go so you know what let me put a spoiler warning right now so if you don't want to hear captain marvel spoilers uh, and then I'll throw in some Shazam spoilers, although I don't want to spoil it for you, Brittany. I'm I'm someone who's okay with spoilers <laughs> as long as it's not like, hey, this person is going to die right. and I'm going to be like, oh, hold so on. We're going to enter spoiler territory. <laughs> so if you don't want to listen, I would I would mute or pause the podcast now. Go watch both movies and then come back and finish the podcast. But um, in the in the film, I kind of like that they played with your expectations about who the scrolls are, because yes. You know, like, I'm not saying that there can't be, like, an evil scroll, but I do like that they kind of humanized. Because even in the comics, there are scroll refugees, right? Like, this whole idea that there's this yeah. singular evil entity and we can't trust them. It's kind of like how America treats immigrants. <laughs> you know, like, they're all evil. Uh, but no, they're just refugees. I kind of like that. And you they play with yeah. your expectations because you go in thinking, oh, of course the scrolls are the bad guys. But it's it's more complicated, and I appreciated that. Yeah, and I do, I like that because, but again, I like that, but also I think there's just one, uh, I really hope that they do Secret Invasion and they bring in Jessica Drew mm-hmm. <laughs> in the Marvel oh, Cinematic right. Universe. Still that, to <laughs> yeah, that's, yes, of course, that's my girl. Um, that's why I'm kind of hoping that they will have those set of scrolls who aren't very nice. Right, right, um, which is still possible. But Yeah, which is still possible, but I do like that because it, it was very much a statement on you can't generalize mm-hmm a whole group of people and assume that every single one of them is evil and terrible and going to do horrible things. And they did that even by casting Ben Mendelsohn, right? Who's like only plays bad guys. Yes. And by casting him, you go in thinking, oh, clearly he's a bad guy, but then maybe he's not. You know, like I, I kind of dug that. Yeah. They really play with your expectations. I love it. But I love that he says like, you know, we've both done terrible things because of what's been going on. And like, you know, just alluding how war you know, there's real. There's not. It's hard to say. In certain some wars, there's a very clear cut who's bad, who's good. 
but sometimes it's not it's not clear cut. Yeah, even when there is a clear cut, you see the good guys do bad things, you know. So yeah, and that's what I like that he kind of alludes to, like you know, right? We both done bad things and stuff like that. I really like that moment between him and Carol. Yeah, that was great. And you know, I would also point to one of the other aspects I really liked about Captain Marvel, and then I'll and this is my segue back into Shazam is that I liked mm-hmm. that they introduced um, the Rambo family and then that Monica, yes. um, I take it back. Talos is my second favorite character in the movie. Monica is probably my favorite character in the movie. And I actually she's wanted so the movie horrible. about her, you know, cause she's the, she's so horrible. she was the in the comics. She's actually the original captain Marvel. She had the name before uh, Carol Danvers. Um, mm-hmm. So I would have actually enjoyed a movie about Monica Rambo. Um, and hopefully we'll get one because now, you know, that movie was in the nineties. She's actually old enough to be uh, adult Monica Rambeau in, in the current crop of Marvel movies. So it would be cool to see her. And what, but that segue is that I, what I like about that they introduced like child Monica is that the kids in the Shazam movie are also really great. So one of the aspects of the Captain Marvel comics that has never really been translated into other medium because the Shazam TV show didn't have the Marvel family, but he has other uh, family members, basically like a little boy named Freddie Freeman who becomes Captain Marvel Jr. And there's a Mary Marvel who becomes like a a female version of, of Captain Marvel. So he has this like whole family in the comics that in the new 52 comics, they made more diverse so that there's a they're a foster family and there's an african-american girl the asian american boy uh latino boy and then mary marvel who's still caucasian they've translated them into um the movie and and you actually get to see them transform into their superhero counterparts which is really cool and it's one of my favorite parts so you actually get to see like a diverse array of superheroes you see like they've been rebranded as the shazam family since they can't use marvel anymore but you get to see them yeah and and they're actually one of they're my favorite aspect of the of the Shazam movie is the is the kids that they cast as as the uh, Marvel family, and and then the, their adult con- counterparts and they're all and the thing the thing is their adult versions are all played by famous actors, which is really cool. So and I don't know that maybe that's spoilerific, but you'll you'll re- let's say th- th- put it this way you'll recognize Darla's adult version if you're a genre follower you'll definitely recognize Freddie's adult version. Um, oh my gosh! If you watch, if you watch Thirteen Reasons Why or Riverdale, you're going to recognize uh, Eugene's adult version. Oh, I already, I think I already know who you're talking about for <laughs> Thirteen Reasons Why. What's his name? Oh, I know Ross his Butler. name. His I know. Ross Butler. Yes, I was going to say Austin, and I was like, that's not no, right. So, so but, can, but they're really color. cool. So, like, hopefully, and if this movie is a big success, you'll see the Shazam family in, in future in future Shazam movies. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh, I really like. That dude, he is so cute. He's really tall. Yeah, he's very tall. He's taller than Zachary Levi, actually. I think he's like the same age as me, actually. So, hey. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, yeah, there. So that's something to definitely look forward to is the the Marvel family. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. The other the other kind of cool thing, and we we went on this tangent because we were talking about Henry Cavill, is that the executive producers of the movie are Dwayne the Rock Johnson and his ex wife Danny Garcia. And everyone knows Dwayne Johnson's going to be Black Adam, who, who is Captain Marvel's like arch enemy. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, there's going to be a Black Adam movie one day, which or maybe Shazam Two will be the Black Adam movie, right? Nice. But yeah, Danny, who is who, Danny Garcia, who is uh, the Rock's agent slash ex wife, is also the agent of Henry Cavill, 
So there was this whole talk. I think one of the last episodes we did, we talked about how like there were all these rumors about Henry leaving the role of Superman. And then he would put out like Instagram videos, like basically trolling people with like Superman toys and yeah. you know, like Superman mannequins and stuff like that. And so there's all this like negotiation back and forth. Is he out? Is he in? Is he out? I'm thinking because his agent is an executive producer on the Shazam movie, because mm-hmm. there's a moment at the end of the movie that everyone needs to watch. It's not Henry. I'll put it this way. Henry Cavill's not in the movie. Oh, but there okay. is a moment at the end of the movie where it's like, oh, I'm hoping that it means Henry Cavill's still Superman in the DC universe. I hope so. Because even though I did not enjoy um, Man of Steel, I do see his potential being a great Superman. Like, I do think he is the perfect guy to be Superman. And I just feel like he wasn't given good enough material to really shine. That's how I feel about it. And as long as they put Army Hammer in the bat suit, you can't get rid of Henry Cavill as Superman. <laughs> if I'm they would be so good together. Like I'm still I'm still saying you guys if you have not seen The Man from Uncle with those two, you're missing out. And seeing that I think would really like solidify for people that oh yeah, this is like Batman and Superman. Right and also, there, like, like, I don't know if you see, like, Army Hammer has been pretty vocal about, like, hey, if they ask me to be Batman, I will be Batman. So, like, Warner Brothers, ask him to be Batman. <laughs> I know. Ask him. Like, he would be he so wants, good. He apparently wants to do it. So let him be Batman. Exactly. I mean, there's some actors who are like, hey, I want to be this person. And sometimes, like, mm, no, I don't think so. But to me, he's one of those people who's like, yes, please do it. <laughs> <laughs> Cast me. So, yeah. So that's, um, if you're back, we're, we're done talking about spoilers. I do want to touch on one more thing about the Shazam TV show, and then we'll, yes. we'll wrap up. Uh, back in the 70s as well, it, it actually uh, aired back-to-back with another superhero show on CBS called The Secret of Isis, which was another kind of DC, eventually became a DC superhero, uh, a character named Isis who became endowed with the powers of an Egyptian goddess and became the superhero known as Isis who controls the wind. If you're not familiar with Isis, you may know her on Legends of Tomorrow as Zara, played by Talia mm-hmm. Ash. Who is You're amazing big, you like on Legends that show. She is one of my favorites. Yeah, she's the best. Interestingly, though, they don't call her Isis on the show. <laughs> and it kind of sucks. Yes, I kind of wish they would because I don't understand why, like, Isis as a name of an Egyptian goddess has existed long before the terrorist group. Exactly. Why do we let and them hijack the name, you know, that's completely legitimate? I just think, again, there's so many... It's really hard, I think, because there are certain people who do watch Legends of Tomorrow who are still probably still learning about <laughs> not woke, not not yeah, not woke or you know what I mean. And they just like are so quick to be like, oh no. So they obviously were like, well, we don't want to get those people to not watch the show, so we're going to change her name, which is which is interesting, right? Like that's exactly why, like they don't want to offend anyone, so we're not going to use her offensive name. But at the same time, the same producers, same writers have a character on the Flash called Gypsy, which is another, which is actually, yes. which is actually a racial slur, right? Isis is not a racial slur. Gypsy is. Yeah, and I've like, I don't understand. There's so many people who don't think that it is, and it's like, well, that's what they're called. I'm like, no, that's like a slur. They're Romani people. Um, so it's kind of so it's I ironic, mean, right? That like it, it, it's telling who they don't want to offend and who they don't care about offending is the thing, right? Yeah, exactly. It's more of we're not going to call her ISIS because it's going to make certain people angry. 
but you know we're gonna keep calling someone a racial slur it's totally cool it's totally fine yeah which i think that they actually made uh the character like if i hate saying the word gypsy but if Mm -hmm. she's of the people she's romani right and she's not a latinx which i think on the show i'm assuming i could be wrong but i'm assuming on the show she's been made to be latinx and so was, I don't know if that's her what dad, her dad was. A, a Danny Trejo, right, right, right. <laughs> which was amazing. I'm sorry, that was amazing. Yeah. That was very funny. Um, I appreciated that. Um, but yeah, no, there's they are supposed to be Romani, and there she's not. So I don't know. Like it's very weird. But even then, right? Like it's not like, and it's also not like that character is a very well known DC character, right? Like you could have changed, yeah. just like Zara, like. You don't call her Isis, even though she had a TV show in the 70s. <laughs> like, her, mm-hmm. like that character being called Isis predated any negative connotation with a terrorist group. Like, Isis exists still as an Egyptian goddess. It's not like <laughs> you yeah. can just ignore that it has this history. Exactly. So I don't I, I still get bothered that they don't call Zara Isis on the on the show, even though she got to wear like the classic Isis costume from the 70s TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, in that one episode, I think it was a Halloween episode where uh, they saved Ray as a little boy. Yes. Which is, you know, kind of cool that they acknowledged the character's history without actually using her name, which which also sucks. Because she's the best character on that show. She's my favorite character on Legends. She, she's so good. I I really like her a lot. Um, I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast, but I did, I did mention it when we did the live show that um, my dad is actually Muslim. And he's a white guy who converted to Islam, mm-hmm. but um, so I grew up very much surrounded with uh, just, you know, going to the mosque on Fridays, having to wear a hijab, uh, but I only wore it when I went to like, you know, the mm-hmm. mosque, I didn't wear it all the time. Um, I still have some too, um, I have a, uh, but um, so watching her character, I, I did, I connected with her. It was nice. I mean, obviously we're not the same um, race, but I definitely understood what she's talking about, about being Muslim in America right. and things like that. I mean, I now, um, especially with going to college and learning things and taking humanities and all that, I've kind of like, I don't know if I really am a religious person personally. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's just, and that's just me and I'm not knocking sure. anyone who is religious, but um, you know, I think, for me, that's why I really connect with their character was I, that's something that I grew up with and knowing how people are and, you know, the assumption that people think of when they see someone who's Muslim or looks like they could be Muslim and things like that. So I, I really like her and her story was very nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Which again, I mean, at least they cast a, a Middle Eastern actress to play Zara on Legend of Tomorrow because in the 70s, you know, the actress was Joanna Cameron who played Isis, who was not, <laughs> who was not a person of color, much less uh, Middle Eastern descent. You know, Joanna Cameron. It's not like they were playing into the whole, uh, you know, Egyptian background on the on the original Isis show. Oh yeah, but you know, I mean, also there's this idea that uh, all Egyptians were actually white people. Well, yeah, there's this, there's. This, I mean, that's that's ongoing, right? Like Middle Eastern still being considered Caucasian in like census forms and stuff like that, which is which is a whole Weird. other podcast that uh, hopefully might be launching soon on the Hard Knock Media Network. We'll see. Uh, but before we get <laughs> yeah. to that, any final words on Shazam as a character, as a TV show, as a movie? I love the what we saw on you know the Justice League cartoons yeah. and um, I really do love the embracing of it is a little kid inside a you know grown adult body 
And I think Zachary Levi, but I have not yet seen it. I still think he is the right casting choice. I think it's going to be epic. I'm very excited for it. And I just wish Zachary Levi all the best <laughs> because he still will always be Chuck to me. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, Zach Levi, a.k.a. Flynn Rider, a.k.a. Chuck, Chuck a.k.a. I would have talked to you at the buy more. The guy from the guy from <laughs> She Loves Me, George. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's great. It's it's my favorite superhero movie of the year so far, maybe of the last year. I think, I'll, and I'll say this without spoiling, if those of you who have returned from the spoiler part, every superhero movie, I think, to date, every single one of them, I, I don't like the third act, right? Like, whether it's Wonder Woman, one of my favorite DC movies, not a big fan of the third act where she fights Ares. Mm-hmm. Even, even The Dark Knight, my favorite comic book movie, the third act's kind of weak with the fairies. Even Black Panther. I love Black Panther. That big third act fight uh, is not my favorite. <laughs> like, I'm not a big fan of, like, the CGI when, when Killmonger and T'Challa are fighting on the... Hey, how about Infinity War? Oh, that's got a good third act. Although, the, the, the thing about Infinity War is the third act's not really the third act, right? Yeah, because it's, it's, like it's, it's like it's not a... Yeah, it's a cliffhanger, yeah. But all that I say all that to say Shazam is the first superhero movie that nails the third act. Like, the third act of Shazam might be my favorite part of the movie. And I can't say that about any other comic book movie. So, go into Shazam with that in mind. You know, I think Winter Soldier actually has a good third act. It's okay. I think I think the third act of Winter Soldier... I love Winter Soldier top to bottom. It's I like the fight between Bucky and Cap. But I think all the noise around it is a little much. With the blowing up of the helicarriers and crashing into DC. Like, I like the emotional weight of just they're fighting each other. But I think it gets mm-hmm. a little too CGI heavy, right? I don't know. I think I'm so. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, like, I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm just I'm, saying. <laughs> no, I know. I think that also for me, like, I'm just so like watching Chris Evans and Sebastian Stan that like I don't they even notice. Exactly. Like, you don't notice all the noise because you're and, watching them. Yeah. And I think also for me in general, I um, also because for me, I am also an actor. I always focus on people's sure. acting right, right, right. and like what they're doing more versus like. Oh, this CGI. Unless it's like really like super noticeable, right. then I'm like, ooh, that's bad yeah. CGI. But most of the time, I'm like, ooh, right, 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 how right, right, right. No, ooh, I get that, wow. and it's not even just like necessarily CGI. It's just like sometimes I feel like the problem I have with a lot of third acts of superhero movies is that it's when the director feels like, oh, I get this is where I just gotta like show everything off, and and it kind of like forgets like how was the action influencing or motivated by the story. Right. And yeah. I kind of feel like that's what usually happens. It's like now we get to the third act and that's the big battle. Everything's blowing up and blah, 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 blah. And I feel like, you know, even if there are like intimate moments, because I think like Killmonger and T'Challa, if it was just about them and less about like the dodgy CGI and less about like the crazy armored rhinos and stuff like that, like I, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I think even, and you know, I, I take that back. Even with Infinity War, I feel like the final battle fighting all the alien nobodies. Is a little mm-hmm. over the top. It's a little overindulgent. Anyway, point is... We needed it so Thor can make his awesome well, right. entrance. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm not trying to... <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just, I'm just saying, like, emotionally and, like, like the, everything about the third act of Shazam, for me, I think works story-wise, narratively, emotionally. One drawback of the Shazam movie, I would say, though, is that it's not the most visually stunning movie. Say what you want mm-hmm. about the DC movies. Like, they all have really nice, like, visual compositions. Yeah, most of Shazam is look looks pretty like meh. There is one great shot though. I think it's in all the trailers, so it's not a spoiler. It's when Asher Angel jumps off the building and says Shazam, and gets struck by lightning. 
That's my favorite shot oh. of the movie. And that's gorgeous. But it, it, the movie's not as much of that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the most gorgeous movie, but it works. It definitely works as a film. Well, I'm very much looking forward go, to go it. Go see it. Friday oh, opens yeah. April 5th. Um, yes. Uh, just, yeah, I'm a Zachary Levi uh, fan over here. I know some people follow me on Twitter, probably like, since when? I'm like, have you not ever seen me tweet about Chuck? But then again, <laughs> maybe not. Like, it's been a while. I love Chuck. I'm still so mad about that ending. I want to know if she remembers. Uh, Zach, if you're li- listening, please tell me. I want to know what you think happened. I want to know. I need to know. Does Sarah remember? <laughs> well, one thing, Brittany, how can people on the internet get in touch with you? Well, you can find me on Twitter and other social media at Hi Brittany Monet. Um, I also have another podcast. It's the Black Lightning Podcast, which you can follow us on Twitter at BL underscore podcast. I'm also in another podcast. <laughs> um, do you even comic book? And the answer is yes, you do. It's with me and uh, Scarrets, or he, he is known as the fourth wall on Twitter. And um, basically, we just talk about all comic book stuff throughout the month, whether it's film, TV, actual comics. Um, if anything's been nominated for awards, that kind of stuff. And then I also have an audio drama with What the Force Productions. And the audio drama is called Fangirls. And it's about a group of Star Wars uh, female fans who are all friends on the internet who decide to take a road trip to Los Angeles because they hear rumors that J.J. Abrams is screening uh, Episode Nine privately. And they all are thinking that they can sneak into it because my character, Rish, is a mutual friend on Twitter happens to supposedly be a family friend of JJ's. So she's like, I think we can do this and go see this movie. So you guys should check that out. And it's available on all places where you can stream podcasts. And it's also on YouTube. So it is free to listen to. It's called Fangirls. Awesome. That sounds, so you got a lot going on, Brittany. Uh, yeah, that's why I'm like, I'm so busy. And I've been, <laughs> I say it all the time on like Black Lightning podcasts. Like I have so much going on. I kept telling them, I know classics is coming back. I just don't know when. <laughs> well, here we <laughs> are. We are back. Here we are. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the real child, the underscore real underscore child. Follow all the podcasts in the Hard Knock Media family at hardknockmedia.com. Follow all the podcasts in the DC TV family at dctvpodcast.com. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Google Play, Stitcher Radio, all everywhere you find podcasts, you can find us. Follow us at DCTV Classics and email us at DCTVClassics at gmail.com. As I said, we're going to be going over some uh, classic DC movies for the time being, but we'll come back bigger and better with the whole crew. Uh, but until then, same pod time, same pod channel. <laughs>